so I'm just going to introduce Jeff Petrie, who's standing next to me, so that's a little bit different. Usually someone introduces someone and then they come up, but many of you know Jeff Petrie, and I just wanted to uh, say a couple words about Jeff before he preaches this morning. Um, last week, as we closed out the sermon on the book of Colossians, we went through a profile of different people in the end of book, the book of Colossians, and if you're here, you remember the different characteristics of those people, and I said that many of us um, have those characteristics and that God has built us to be a church. He's put us in a family and we, we all bring different things. And I'm just personally so grateful to Jeff Petrie who is faithful and funny and loving and welcoming and hospitable and encouraging and um, an evangelist. And many of those things that I listed last week, Jeff is. And um, I ha I've had the privilege of working with Jeff for quite a few years, actually. I was a youth pastor at a church out in Chaska, Minnesota, and Jeff was an intern there. And then he went off, graduated from Crown College with a youth ministry degree, and went off to be a youth pastor at a church for two years, and then stepped away from that to do a master's at Northwestern and joined City Vision Church Plant um, during that time and was on our core team and has just been a faithful member of this church and... Um, community group leader here at Park Community Church, and so I'm so excited to have Jeff around. One of the values, if you're newer to Park Community Church, one of the values that you will, that you will experience here um, is that we, we believe in leadership development, and so we want to give people an opportunity to lead. And so Pastor Ben is taking this week off from leading worship because we want to give opportunities for others to lead, and I'm taking this week off from preaching because we want to give opportunities for other people to lead and to preach and to, to get involved in ministry in those ways. And so I'm so grateful for you, Jeff, and thankful for you and excited to hear what God has to say to us through you this morning. I'm going to pray for you awesome. and then hand it over to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning that we can gather together to look at your word and to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for the man that you've created, Jeff. I thank you for his unique testimony and story and the way that he reflects you in a multitude of ways. Lord, I pray that you would speak through him this morning. Pray that you would open up our ears to hear what you have for us. Lord, we pray that you would meet each one of us where we're at this morning and lead us to where you desire us to be in your presence, where there is pleasures evermore and an abundance of joy. We pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Everybody hear me okay? In the back, any thumbs up? All right. Hey, perfect. Thanks for that. I'm a big fan. Um, we are going to be in the book of Luke this morning. Um, we recently wrapped up a series on Colossians, and so we're going to be in Luke today um, in, the chap in the chapter. Wow. Take two. We're going to be in chapter 11. going to look at Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's Pew Bibles, and it's on uh, page 869. So Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to invite that you would stand as we read God's Word together. All right, Luke 11, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation." And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, 
For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, then you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is God's word. You can have a seat. Pray with me if you would. Lord Jesus, as we take a look here this morning at the book of Luke um, and the prayer that you gave the disciples, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, with affection for you. God, this is an exciting time of year for some and a tough time of year for others. Um, Just with the holidays and wrapping up a year, going into a new year, God, a lot of different things going on. Lord, whatever burdens that we are carrying inside right now that we brought here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would help us to give those over to you. Lord, that we would taste and see that you are good and that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Jesus' name, amen. A little parched. So this morning, big idea from the text is that the emphasis of the text is less about the method of our prayers and more about the motivation behind them. Seems somewhat straightforward. See, there's a difference between reading the Lord's Prayer like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgiven. And Yeah, amen. And Father, hallowed be your name. Two completely different tones. And the difference in between those is motivation starting with why before focusing on the how. When we pray, have you ever asked why? Why do you pray? When you are praying, why are you praying? It could be out of obligation, something that we feel like we should do. Like, yeah, I should pray. I'm a Christian, so yeah, I pray. I should pray. Or we feel obligated. Like, well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, so yeah, I feel obligated to, you know, before I eat, to be like, all right, Lord, thanks for this food, and yeah, thank you. And it's just this obligation, something that you feel guilty if you don't check off that list, because then everything is fine, so we think. 
Or it's just a routine, something we do. It could be before meals, or it's like, God, food is good, sweet, amen. <laughs> one of my favorite prayers that one of my cousins prayed, I remember how we were little, uh, we're sitting around the Thanksgiving table, and my grandpa was like, I want you to pray to one of my cousins. And he was like, all right, everyone. So we all went like this, and he was like, grace. And then he started eating. <laughs> Humorous. <laughs> but a lot of times I think we treat prayer like that, uh, just routine, something that is just something we do, and the why is somewhere in orbit around our lives. Or perhaps that prayer is just a matter of last resort. You know, when all of the methods that we have set up in our lives for ourselves, or so we think we do, when those have all failed, then we cry out to God, like, God, why is this happening at work? Why is this happening at home? Why is this happening in my marriage? Why is this happening in my friendships? Why? The problem is we ask why at the end versus the beginning because the why informs the how. Good doing comes from good being. Uh, for me personally, November and December is a time of year where I focus more on, it's like a higher focus on discernment and thinking and seeking the Lord in prayer. Because for me, there's something kind of daunting about coming towards the end of another year. Because it's like, oh man, I'm never going to be able to get that year back. Like I'm never going to relive 2017 again. And that's kind of daunting. Like, wow, I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I don't want to think about that. But then there's also the flip side where it brings hope. Like, well, God, what did you do in 2017? Good, bad, ugly. What did you do? Wow. What could you do in 2018? You get the imagination going in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to guide your thoughts. And all of a sudden, you kind of start to get fired up a little bit. Like, well, what could God do? God's able to do immeasurably more than all we can think, ask, or imagine. Like, God, what is, what, can I get a glimpse of that? Just a sample. What are things you want me to focus on? What are things you want me to stop doing? What are things that you want me to start doing? Or what do you want from me, Lord? I'm listening. So I'm at this time in the year, and when I was asked to, hey, would you like to speak on this day? I was like, that'd be a privilege. I was drawn to the book of Luke. Um, I was reading through the book of Luke, and... I saw something that really stuck out to me. Uh, it was back in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus said, or the, Luke said, Jesus often went away to be by himself and to pray. And that kind of blows my mind personally when I read that. And as I was reading that, something stuck out where, wait, Jesus was incredibly busy. Like, not only was he really busy, but he had people constantly after his attention. Like, hey, Jesus, like, hey, 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 I got a question. Like, whoo, you know, he has people everywhere trying to get his attention, trying to ask him questions, and he can't catch a break. 
so it seems. But yet we see in Luke 5, he often withdrew. He went away to be by himself and to pray. A lot of us would say, if not all of us would say, that busyness and like the tyranny of the urgent cripples our prayer life. Like, hey, it's all I can do to make it through the day. Like, yes, Lord, cool, thanks, amen. And now I'm back in the next day. And then a year goes by, two years goes by, and then 20 years go by. But what we see in the text is that even though Jesus himself was very busy, he made that time because he yearned for the Father's presence because that's where perspective is found in the presence of God, saying, God, here is all my ugliness, here's all my shame, here's all the things that you did through me, um, here's the ways I fall short. Like, God, how, how can I do your will? If we look back at verse 2, kind of through 4, the prayer piece, a lot of us even people that really aren't Christians or they don't trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, a lot of people in the world can recite the Lord's Prayer, either this version or the longer version in Matthew. But the thing is, being able to know something in your head and be able to recite it with ease is not the same thing as believing it in your heart and letting it flow out through your actions with your hands. So that brings the question, is knowing really knowing if all three of those components aren't present? Like sometimes we have a hard time approaching the Bible because it's like, oh, I already know all this. Why do I need to sit and read it? I've already read the Bible. People sinned, Jesus died, he rose, and he's the bridge to heaven. Awesome. Why do I have to read? So I'm reflecting on this. And then I just started like writing, and I was like, wow. In my mind, yeah, this prayer is incredible. But in practice, for some of us, the prayer might more so sound like this. Man upstairs, hallowed be my name. My kingdom come. Give me all day, every day, the bread in whichever format that I desire. I do good things. I go to church. So we're all square on the sin thing. Cool. Oh, oh, and prevent temptation while I keep on keeping on. My man. And that's it. If we're really honest with ourselves and with God, all of us, live this out in practice, like this second version that I wrote down, perhaps with different wording. There's three things that I'd like to draw attention to this morning from our text. And the first thing to pull out of the first kind of chunk, one through four, is that intimacy requires presence. Intimacy requires 
presence. How can we have intimacy with God, like close relationship with God, if we never care to enter his presence? Not a question a lot of us ask, because if we're continuing to be honest with ourselves, a lot of us assume his presence. Like, I gave my life to the Lord, Holy Spirit lives within me. All right, he's always with me, so yeah. But then we pray, and we cry out over different hardships and things in our lives, and we're like, God, why are you far? Why are you not here? Why are you not showing me things? Why are you not answering this? Why, I, I, why are you silent? Why are you so far away? The truth is, is that God is not far away. God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. You see, our perspective is broken unless we come face to face with the reality that our God of the Bible that we believe in is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that he is infinite and we are not. Therefore, there's always more of him to be had. We forget that just about as quickly as when we remember it. When we come face to face with that, the whole prayer kind of shifts and comes alive off the page. It goes from, Father, hallowed be your name, to like, wait. Like when you really grasp that God is infinite and that we're finite, like we're never going to get to relive today. And that God exists outside of time. The more that you reflect on that, the more that you start to sink lower and the bigger God gets. And the smaller you get, the bigger your perspective on God, which is how things are supposed to go. So then we reread the prayer. We're like, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is to be whole, like to make holy, like holiness or sacred. Like, Father, hallowed be your name. My kingdom, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. I can't know what to do to feed myself with knowledge, and I can eat food, but God, what are the words that you want to feed me with today? Like, I need you. God, forgive me my sins. Like, I am less. You are everything, and thank you for Jesus. We start to focus more on doing his will than just merely avoiding temptation or navigating our way around temptation. Second thing I'd like to look at this morning is that we are to pray with impudence. Show of hands, does anyone use the word impudence on the regular in your daily speech? One person? Awesome. I do not, myself, I didn't know it was a word until I read this this week, this week, over the past couple of months, this week. Impudence, a little old-fashioned. The word impudence implies shameless persistence. 
See, the thing is, if we look at this first parable here about the friend going to his other friend to get three loaves for the guests that he wasn't prepared for, if you were to dig into the context of this, you would know that Jesus is using some humor here. Because in this context, it was unheard of to be unprepared for a guest that was coming to stay at your house. Like, that's the one thing where people are like, no one does that. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? It's just like mind short circuits. Like, no one does that. And Jesus is using that to prove a point. Because eventually the friend gets up, gives him what he needs. Can you imagine being on the receiving end? Like you're in bed, your family's asleep, or even if you live alone, just you're sleeping, and you just got your friend outside like, hey, hey, I need three loaves. I got someone coming into town. Hey, I got three loaves. I need someone to come. Hey. Eventually, you're going to get up and be like, here's the bread. Have a good night. I'm going back to bed. Because <laughs> you want it to stop. You're like, okay, I'm just going to, okay, fine. I'll, I'll get up. I'll give it. Okay. And the point that Jesus is making is that if we'll eventually get up or a friend will eventually get up and give us what we're asking for, and that's here, how much greater is it when we approach the throne, when we enter into God's presence and we say, God, here is all the things going on in my life right now shamelessly bold and persistent. I think for those of us here in Minnesota, we let Minnesota nice permeate our relationship with God. Because as a culture, we tend to approach each other with Minnesota nice. And we're with people, for the most part, all day, every day at work or with family. And there's this huge cultural focus on like, oh, I don't want to step on your toes. Oh, I'm, oh you can't pay for my meal. Like, I, I, well, then I owe you. I'll, I'll get you. There's this like give-take relationship going on. Seems to be like grace is awkward for most people. The problem is, if that exists in your life, with God in prayer, it's a sign that his word hasn't dwelt or dug deep enough into your heart. Because if God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can think, ask, or imagine, why isn't that evident in our prayers? It goes back to the motivation versus method. Method flows out of motivation. When we come back to grasping the infinite nature of God, like, God, you're three persons, three in one, and I'm made in your image? Wait, all people are? Like, what? Well, if you can create the world by speaking, like, well, God, surely you can, and then you start going down on your list, your burdens, like, Lord, I want to see this person come to know you. Lord, I have this going on in my life, and it is not okay because it is drawing me away from your will. And Lord, and we start to get that momentum going. And it's natural because that's how it's supposed to work. Because our motivation gets outside of ourselves, and it's, God, I want to do your will with all that I am. Here's all the things that's making it really difficult 
Would you clarify, would you help me get perspective on how to navigate this? Our needs seem to grow more and more every day. And life is really exhausting. I work in a call center, and I uh, usually don't see the sun for the most part of the day. About seven, seven hours, 15 minutes of the day, I don't see the sun. We have all our blinds shut because, Lord forbid, that there be a glare on my computer screen. (laughs) And it's phone call, phone call, phone call. Hi, how can I help you? How is your day going today? Oh, I'm sorry. Sounds like you got a scratchy throat. Take care of that, though. And it can just become this routine of just... (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of times when we lose our motivation of bringing God glory, we forget that we can't compartmentalize God because then that indicates that we think we're on the same page with God. God is to be in our everything. When your motivation is intact with who God is in his word, you start to see him in the world. And that's energizing. That's exciting. God loves to give good gifts to his children. Third thing I'd like to draw attention to this morning from the text is that there is no better gift that you can receive than the Holy Spirit. There's no better gift that you can receive than the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us might hear that and think, well, do I not pray for material things? Like, I kind of need food, and I'm low in the checking account. And my credit card bills are, ooh, like... That's not the case. Because the truth is, there's no material blessing that you could ever receive that's going to do anything near what the Holy Spirit can do. And sometimes we think, well, God, like if if X, Y, and Z was out of my life or if it was much lesser, then it would be so much easier to focus on you. Be easier to come to you in prayer. Be more natural if this, this, and this got bigger, this got smaller, this got upgraded. Then things would be simpler. And that is true for the most part. The problem is that as soon as that thing gets upgraded, something else replaces it. And we just spend day after day spinning our wheels, grinding gears, and we're exhausted. We get to the end of the day, and it's like, how can I, seriously, you want me to pray after the day I had? The truth is, life is exhausting. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and even if your motivation, if you're striving after, Lord, this is who you are, how can I reflect that through the power of your Spirit living in me and flowing out of me? You're still going to feel exhausted in the midst of that at times. But 
But the thing about the presence of the Holy Spirit is that then we identify with Christ. Oh, Christ, you know what it was like to be exhausted. Christ, you know what it was like to go through loss. You know what it was like to, and you start going through the scripture and the Holy Spirit starts flowing out, and it doesn't always make you any less tired. It just changes your perspective so it doesn't cripple your entirety of function. The thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is not just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And we forget that. In verse 13, kind of struggled at that end of the first kind of sentence there in the middle. If you then who are evil... Pretty sure when we think of evil, we think Hitler. And then we go through history like this guy, the alt right movement, all of these terrible things that are happening in the world. We're like, that's evil. Wait, if you then who are evil, wait, I thought I knew what evil was. Well, what is, what is evil? And evil is sin. then we remember, oh yeah, our sin separates us from God. Then we go back to the other prayer, like, hallowed be my name, my kingdom come. The thing about Jesus is that we can't just merely add him into the mix of our lives and be like, kind of like our Google assistant, like, all right, here we go, you and me. It really doesn't work. That line of thinking has a shelf life. When we trust Jesus for salvation and the Holy Spirit comes into us, some of us are tempted to think, all right, you're there, so I'm just always going to be overflowing. I'm going to be filled. And when we don't feel God's presence, when we don't really feel like we see it in the world, We wonder whether God is far. Where is he? Is he just way out there and we're here? Just like, great, now what? No, the Holy Spirit is still there. But we quench him when our methods and our hows and our way of doing things becomes way bigger than our why. The underlying emphasis of this in verse 13 is that Prayer is a continual habit that we are to develop and to engage in. And for some people, it sounds exhausting. Like, really? Prayer without ceasing all the time? I can barely hold a 10-minute conversation on the phone without being like, done. I'm going to pray all the time. But if we go back to the why, why do we pray? If you continuously ask why do we pray and keep going back, eventually you're going to get back to the gospel and to get back to the attributes of God, who he is. And then the perspective gets clear and then it's like, oh yeah, 
Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's interesting in like verse 11, the other parable, where it's like, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? It's like, well, what kid asked for a fish? With my modern day reading, I'm like, what? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I'm like, man, I don't have kids, but I'm sure more parents would be like, wow, that'd be awesome if my kid asked for eggs. Like, all he wants is candy and Snickers and pop. But if I take my thinking and set it to the side and I look in the context, scorpions were a common threat. Fish and eggs were a very common part of the diet. Our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need. We can have the highest hopes for our best friends, for our closest family members, for our spouses, for those of us that, for those who are dating. Like, we can have the highest hopes and we can see whatever amount of evidence of like, oh, this person just is my constant, my source of sure and steady and yes, All of those things have a shelf life. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a shelf life. God never gets tired of pouring out his spirit on his children. He loves it. Today, let's stop spinning our wheels with all of the methods all of the hows. How am I going to get all these things done? How am I going to do X, Y, and Z? Don't even talk about Christmas and all the dinner and the fine china and if that's still a thing. I mean, all these plans, the travel details, lodging, accommodate, like, oh, and then we short circuit. Too stressful. Let's set all that to the side. Just be like, Lord, Why? We have to start with why. Otherwise, we lose purpose and perspective of why we do what we do. And it just becomes what we do. Never assume the why. Consistently ask yourself because we are fallible people. Method flows naturally when our motivation is to seek after God with everything that we are. The holidays for a lot of people are really tough. For a lot of people, the holidays indicate loss of a family member or friends or family or family drama or being around people that hurt you in the past and having to come face to face with those old wounds being reopened by being in their presence. And it's especially hard to remember the why of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us pleased to dwell. That's why we need each other. We need the body of Christ. There's nowhere in the Bible from cover to cover where you're going to see me and Jesus, that's it, and people are around if they want to hang out. It's nowhere in the scriptures. We are created in the image of a triune God, three in one. He is in relationship with himself. We're made in his image. Therefore, 
We need other people to be the church. The Holy Spirit has gifted each and every one of us with a different set of gifts and a different personality to bring different things to the table, so to speak. We're never going to realize what our gifts are unless we enter in to God's presence say, Lord, I feel like you have a firmness in me. Would you show me who I can kind of flush this out with, with, you know, some people in community? We need to enter into God's presence if we want to experience the closeness. God can handle it if you're angry. God can handle it if you're upset. He's almighty God. A lot of us think that we have to kind of work up ourselves to be able to be like, okay, now I can approach God. I got X, Y, and Z off my list. Like, okay, Lord. But that list never ends. As we go from Thanksgiving into the Christmas season, into the new year, with all the changes, let's remember that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, I praise you for who you are. God, it, it's mind-blowing that all of humanity is created in your image and that all of us reflect to a very broken degree your attributes whether we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior or not. Lord, I pray that you would show us how to have perspective. God, help us to read your word and believe your word until we see it in the world, God. Our own thoughts are not good enough our closest friends, our most wise people in our lives that give us advice. They're not almighty God. God, help us to put you in your rightful place on the throne of our lives and to lower ourselves, God, so we could just be your servants. Amen.